Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. We're delighted that you're here this morning and uh, just a very special day today. Uh, we're at the end of our message, we're going to be honoring our graduates uh, and telling them how thankful and proud we are of them. Um, we are right in the middle of a series. Uh, I warned you. How many of you know sometimes we get in trouble because we don't heed warnings, right? Have you ever ignored like a tornado warning and you wish you had enough? Uh, okay, so not very many of us in Oklahoma. We're, we're pretty diligent most of the time, but they cry wolf so many times that sometimes we get a little calloused, right? Well, I gave you a warning three weeks ago. I told you that uh, we were getting ready to head into combating the fourth principality that we've been called to deal with, which is apathy. And I told you that it would fight back. Of all the principalities that we're dealing with, this one has a tendency to fight back. How many of you would be honest enough, I'll be the first to raise my hand, that you have felt the pushback uh, from apathy? Am I the only one? Okay, me and Tar. Okay, I thought so. I thought so. The enemy I am learning... Uh, will fight you on every front, but in particular, he fight, fights you when, when the challenge is to become less comfortable. And so that's where we are. We are dealing with apathy. Apathy, uh, the word literally means without feeling, with to have little or no concern. But it wasn't that definition that I brought to your attention two weeks ago when I encouraged you that we need to cry again. We need to let our hometown come into view and see things like they really are. We need to come back to that place where we weep. The definition that I shared with you that should frighten us to some degree is this. Apathy means to have no passion. And I made, made this statement to you that, that, that it is absolutely unacceptable to call ourselves passion and not live up to the standards that that name demands. We must be people of passion. We cannot call ourselves passion and be overtaken by apathy. So we must uproot and abolish apathy in our own personal and in, in our corporate lives. So we talked about the fact that we had to become broken again. Uh, then last week, Pastor Woody talked to us about uh, uh, helping people, seeing people, helping people, recruiting people so that we're moved to action. And so we've made this statement. Apathy is not uprooted by words. Apathy is not uprooted by necessarily prayer, although it helps. Apathy is only uprooted by action. And so we gave you cards last week. We took up food the first week, and you're still bringing that in. It's been phenomenal. Last week, we gave you the little cards. How many of you used your little card this week with the $20? I've already gotten one phone call from a woman that says, is this a scam? I found this in my mailbox, and surely this is a scam. And I was like, no, we just, we just love people. So we're, we're trying to break apathy. I am convinced that uh, apathy is at epidemic levels. I am convinced and th that, that I could say this without any hesitation. I think that apathy is perhaps the greatest 
issue, perhaps one of the greatest issues of our day. But I've also under, learned, learned this and come to grips with this is that uh, apathy is not a new malady. Uh, Jesus uh, came face to face. This is an old sickness. Jesus came face to face with apathetic people in his day as well. Uh, there are two conversations that I want to draw your attention to this morning that uh, Jesus had. They're very uh, specific, but they're also very similar. I, I did some research because I was like, well, maybe these are the same conversations because I wanted to make sure I was right. These are two entirely different conversations, but they go very similar in nature. But in these conversations, Jesus uh, is revealing, if, uh, one way to say it would be this, he's pulling back the covers on the apathy that was apparent and afflicted the people of his day. Will, will you join me in Matthew uh, chapter 22? Uh, we're going to read two different accounts, uh, very similar, but two different accounts. Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 34, this conversation take, takes place. Listen to what happens. It says, when the Passion Church people... Oh, I'm sorry, it says Pharisees, that, but, but you do understand that when he's talking about Pharisees, he's talking about the religious people of his day, the church people of his day. So he's, I told you I was going to be an equal opportunity offender. At some, I want to offend you at some point in this series so that it'll wake you up. He's literally talking about passion church people. Come on now. If we're not willing to place ourselves in the story, then, then it's just a text we take and we just... Okay, boy, y'all are already fighting me. I, you can leave mad. I, I'm all right with that. I told you. I told you. I would, during this series here and the next series, it'll be all right with me if you leave mad as long as you leave mad and then do something. All right? Uh, okay, okay. All right. Whew, this is going to be tough today, Tari. Lord, help me. When, when, the, when the Pharisees heard how he had bested the Sadducees, they gathered their forces for an assault. Think about that now. Church people are on the attack on Jesus. That never happens today. Okay. One of their religion scholars spoke up for them, and he posed a question that they hoped would show him up. Teacher, which command in God's law is the most important? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list. Now listen to what he says. But there is a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophet hangs from them. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, those who were supposed to be the closest to God, if you will, those who were supposed to be the most earnest in their desire to know God and to make God known, those folks, they were, okay. those folks, rather than asking out of sincere motives to hear the response and take action. Instead, uh, rather than asking for those purposes, they ask this question, why? To trick Jesus. To, to, to cause him to hopefully say something that would be blasphemous in their opinion so then they could destroy him and kill him and make accusations. They're trying to trick him. They're not, they're not interested in actions. In fact, they're apathetic. They don't really care. 
They asked Jesus to summarize the law, hoping that he would make an offhand remark that would get him in trouble. But Jesus outflanks them, and in doing so, his answers provide an equation for following our Father in obedience. I want you to see what he does. He says that we must love God with everything that we have, and that that type of love will then do this. It will manifest itself. Okay, y'all are looking at me. It will manifest itself into action towards our fellow man. Then he says this, that fellow man, we're going to identify him as our neighbor. Okay. Then he applies a measurable standard to the action. He says, not only should you love God with all your heart, I want you to love your neighbor. Notice what he does. I want you to love your neighbor At this standard, I want you to love your neighbor as much as you love you. Okay, see, some of y'all struggling right there because some of us, we really love ourselves. I mean, we had a conversation in the morning. Some of y'all, first thing in the morning, look in the mirror and say, oh, I love you. Now, I know you're not like that, but we love ourselves, don't we? Jesus could have held us to a higher standard. Jesus could have looked at them and said, listen, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as much as God loves them. But he doesn't do that. He, he, he almost gives us a break. He gives us one notch down. Just love them. You'll be okay if you just love them as much as you love you. Uh, okay. In that brief confrontation, what Jesus does is he attacks apathy and he lets these religious folks know that God isn't our, loving God isn't our only obligation in the life of a believer, that instead our love for God requires us to step up onto a launching pad and do something tangible for our neighbor. Think about this a moment. How important is this issue? Here is Jesus, the Son of God in the flesh, who has all knowledge of all the tenets of the law, of all the prophecies that have gone forth, out of all the divine revelation that is shut up in him. He could have shared all of that, and instead with the knowledge, he says, with, out of a knowledge of his Father's heart, he says that our love for our neighbor is second only to our love for God. Caring about people is serious business to Jesus. Think about where he elevates it. So so then the second conversation takes place, and apathy in this conversation, I believe, becomes even into a clearer perspective, and, and we get a clearer view of what we need to do. Woody, Pastor Woody, read this account last week, I'm going to read just the first part of it again because he dealt with the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I want to back up and deal with the conversation that took place that caused Jesus to tell the parable, to make up the story on the spot. What caused him to do that? Well, it was a very similar conversation to the one I just read to you. Listen to what happens. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 29, it says this. On one occasion, an expert in the law, church folks, stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answers. He says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and all your mind. And here it is. And love your neighbor as yourself. 
You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But now listen to what happens. Here's this religious ruler. He's answered correctly because I don't know if he'd heard the first conversation or not, but he answers correctly. And it says, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Jesus, once again, is confronted by the religious section of his day, and and he answers the questions the same way. He points them to the two things that lead us to right standing with God. Love God, but lo and behold, the second part of it is identical. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And in that moment, this religious leader attempts to justify himself to Jesus. Think about that now. He tries to justify himself to Jesus. One version, I love the way one version reads it. It says, looking for a loophole, he asks, who is my neighbor? Okay, so that question, who is my neighbor, spawns the story of the Good Samaritan. So just a few thoughts this morning, and and hopefully some of them will make you extremely uncomfortable. I hope. And then I'll let you go. The folks of Jesus' day did not like Jesus' answer on how to meet the requirements of the law and how to find eternal life. Did you notice that? They didn't like the answer. Right? All right, three of you. Right? All right, just want to make sure. They didn't like it. Here's the issue. We don't like it either. Jesus' response requires that our worship transform into walk. Jesus' answer and his response requires our weeping to turn into work. And so what Jesus does is he deals with and, not or. We don't see we don't lie, we don't really mind the loving God part of the equation that Jesus gives us because we believe that we can ward off any evaluation because of the inherent inherent nature of worship it's a private matter and we even think that we can go to this degree that we can set limits on worship like this I get to worship when I want I get to worship where I want I get to worship for as long as I want and because it's so private you can't even judge whether I'm worshiping or not because if you don't raise your hand don't look at me and say you're not worshiping because I didn't raise my hands I just not comfortable raising my hand and we put all these limitations on it thinking that worship is such a private matter that nobody can judge us on our worship so we don't have any issue with the worship part because that wards off any summarization about our lives but when Jesus says your worship should lead to work and your worship should lead to action, we get extremely uncomfortable because now there is a measurable standard by which we can judge whether or not you really love God. Ooh, okay. So what we want to do is we want to do stuff like this. Well, let me dress up. Let me come to church one hour. Let me throw my hands up in the air because the song says we're supposed to. I'm doing my duty of worship. Don't judge me. Let me go home. Don't place any demand on the rest of my life. But then Jesus comes behind that and he makes a statement that blows that out of the water. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, he says, you're hopeless. 
Listen to who he's talking to. You're hopeless, you religion scholars and Pharisees, you frauds. You keep meticulous account books. You tithe on every nickel and dime you get. But on the meat of God's laws, things like fairness and compassion and commitment, the absolute, here it is, basics, you carelessly take it or leave it. Careful bookkeeping is commendable, but the basics are required. You know what he's saying? He's saying that this is not and, or this is and, not or. He's saying you don't get to choose and say, I, today what I'm going to do is I'm going to choose to love God and worship God or serve people. Have you noticed that we, we have this tendency to focus on one and not the other? Because this week, I just feel like what I really need to do is I just need to worship God and forget about people. But next week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to serve God or, I mean, I'm going to serve people, but I'm, but I'm not going to worship God. It's, we, we think it's or, and Jesus is saying it's and. We have to worship God and serve people. That's the only way you can complete the equation. Okay. All right, so, so what I have come to grips with is this, is that there are many sitting in this room, maybe even one holding the microphone, who are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, some of us. But I am also convinced that all of us are loopy for loopholes. All right, all right. We need to quit calling them loopholes and start calling them loopholes. Because when you look for loopholes, it leads to strongholds. The man in the account tries and seeks to justify himself to Jesus. He literally tries to use his involvement and his knowledge of God. Listen to what he does. He literally tries to use his involvement and knowledge of God as a means to justify himself to Jesus. You know what he's doing? He is literally trying to excuse himself from caring. He is, he is literally trying to excuse himself from helping. He is literally trying to obtain a pass from compassion. My question to you this morning is how many of us know a lot about God, but we know nothing about the hurt that he desires to mobilize us to heal? We can sit in environments like this, and you can astound us with your level of worship, and you can astound us with your level of knowledge, and you can blow our minds about all that you know about theology and about how God works and how he moves and how he manifests himself in the world today, and no diddly squat about helping anybody that God has allowed you to get the knowledge to mobilize you to actually touch. Okay. We know about his love, but what we do is we look for loopholes to keep from having to share that love. Anytime we post off-limit signs around an area of our life to keep God out, in reality, all we've done is establish a homestead for Satan to control. A way out for us does nothing more than give the enemy a way in. That's what it does. So he asked this question, who is my neighbor? What a terrible question to ask. Who is my neighbor? I... 
He knew, I, I think, I think what's going on here is he knew that if, if he could not identify his neighbor, then he couldn't be held accountable for that neighbor. I'm preaching right now, and we don't like it. I can tell. We don't like it. If I can fail to identify who my neighbor is, then there is no accountability for me to do anything for my neighbor. Uh, he would be able to play this card right here. You ever played this card? Well, if I'd known, if I'd have just known, I could have probably done something. You mean to tell me, I'm not talking about y'all, I'm talking about the guy in the store, so don't get, don't get offended. You mean to tell me that you don't have the ability to assess the need around you? You mean to tell me that you are so insulated that you don't have the ability to recognize the need that exists around you? You mean to tell me that you are so calloused that you are unable to recognize need? Have we given ourselves permission to find a way out of identifying our neighbor? It, it's interesting to me that now 2,000 years later, over 2,000 years later, we still are asking the same questions and we have the same tendencies. Here's how it works for us. We see the hungry and we ask this question, where's the government? We see, we see the, the sick and we go, well, where are the doctors? Where are they at? We see the broken and we go, well, where are the counselors? Where are they at? Why aren't they responding? We see the homeless and we go, where are the agencies that are supposed to step in? We see abandoned children and we ask questions like this, well, where's DHS? I think we need to change the question. I think when we see the hungry and we see the homeless and we see the broken and we see the abandoned, the question needs to change to this. Where are the Christians? Okay, I can get some amens there, but hold on. Hold on a minute. Because that's way too generic. Maybe the question needs to become this. Where's passion? See, my amens went down. Because now it's, I'm going to get nothing. Because the next one is, the real question is, where am I? Because what we're loopy for loopholes. As long as we can push it off on the government, and we can push it off on some nebulous agency out there, and as long as we can put it on the Christians, then I can let myself off the hook and go, they ought to be. And they should. Okay. We are so loopy for loopholes that we look for ways out. Well, we, we, we offer all kinds of loopholes. Well, I would help, but I'm just too old. I would do something, but I've already done my part. Like I gave in an offering in 1964, and so I've done my part. I gave in an offering in 2004. I did my part. I brought, I brought one box of food. I've done my, I don't have any time 
I, if I, I, I would help, but you just don't understand. I just don't have any time. Last time I checked, there's still 24 hours in every day, and we all have an equal amount of time. We just choose how we're going to use it. Uh, we give ourselves loop of, I'm too shy. I've been too hurt. I've got too many responsibilities. I'm too tired. Shoot. Loopholds become strongholds and footholds for apathy. If we can find a loophole that lets us off the hook, we become apathetic and it becomes everybody else's responsibility because it's not our neighbor, it's their neighbor. Okay, okay all right, I got I to gotta go because y'all are not liking me much this morning. So let me just tell you how this works. What Jesus does in that story of the Good Samaritan that Pastor Woody talked about last week he literally tells us that we don't get to choose who our neighbor is. Our neighbor chooses us. Okay. So here is how we have got to learn to operate. Are you ready? You're not, if you've been uncomfortable, going to get real uncomfortable now. If you see a need, you have seen your assignment. Let me say it another way. See a need, feel a need. That is literally what Jesus is saying, is that we cannot look the other way or we, will, we, we literally ignore our assignment. Your neighbor is not about geography. Your neighbor is about sensitivity and availability. That's what your neighbor's all about. So that when you're driving down the street 65 miles away from where you live, your neighbor is no longer the person that lives next door to you. When you're driving 65 miles away from home and you see a need, guess what, neighbor? I feel like Mr. Rogers. I want to take off my shoes and say, won't you be my neighbor? Wherever you go, any need you see, that's your neighbor. That is literally your assignment. Because at the moment that you become sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you see your hometown and the city comes into view and you see, man, there's something wrong here. This is, shouldn't be this way. Something. Then at that very moment, you have identified your neighbor. One version of Matthew chapter 23 that I read to you just a, a moment ago says it like this. He says, you should do the former things, like the tithing that he talks about. That's why we can believe in tithing. Jesus says you ought to tithe. You should do those former things. But this version says you should do these former things, but you can't forget the latter things either. It's not an and, uh, and or, it's and. We do them both. The equation is two parts. Love God serve others. We tend to focus on one part, forget the other. You cannot get the right answer unless you fulfill both. Because here's what's going to happen. Let me, let me tell you what's going to happen. If we're not careful, what happens is we huddle up in buildings like this and we worship. And we have all kinds of good services. And no one is impacted except us. But we had church. And all around us, our neighbors struggle. The opposite end of the equation is we only deal with our neighbors 
and we feed them and we clothe them and we help them and we buy them gas and we pay their bills, but we never expose them to Jesus and we become nothing more than a social ministry. I am not willing to do that. I am, however, willing to stand in the middle and go on Sundays when we're together, on Wednesdays when the youth are together, in small groups when we're together. We are going to worship God with everything we've got. And out of that, we know that we have the hope of the world. And He's too good to confine to a building. And we find a need and we fill it. So this morning, um, what I want to say to you is I want you to love God and worship Him with passion, but I also want you to serve people with passion. All right, let me, let me help you. You brought food two weeks ago. Good job. You're free the rest of the year. Don't do nothing. You did enough. Good job, Tari. Appreciate you. You brought $20, and we gave you a card, and you went out of your way. Good job. Now just sit back and relax the rest of the year because you've done all the outreach you need to do. That's not what we're trying to do here. And so we have begun to think, how can we? This is not the only answer. It's just one of the answers. How can we help our body become mobilized on a regular and a consistent basis? Because two Sundays a year is not enough. Cooking hot dogs every Wednesday night in June as an outreach is great. It's a ministry. It's not enough. So what do we do? How do? Okay, so... Pastor Woody, would you come and help me? Um, this is what we're going to do. Uh, many of you know that we own this house right here on the back side of our parking lot. It's not the nicest house. It's just a house. But that house is rentable. We've had it rented for a while. It brings in pretty good money for a house in Bethany, Oklahoma. Thank you, Jesus. But we are foregoing rent. Our tenants moved out, and we said, should we rent it? We began to pray. said, absolutely not. It's wide open. How are we going to use it? And we are, this morning, giving you the opportunity that for the, for, for, until Jesus says stop, we're going to do something that I think will enable us to have consistent outreach on a regular basis. So what's going to happen is, uh, Miss Karen, would you stand up? This is Karen Gomez. I know she doesn't like this kind of stuff. I'm going to make her stand up anyway. This is Karen Gomez. She is going to help us. Are we upside down? No, we're good. She's helping us, so if you want to help, you can see her. Okay, you sit down. I know you're uncomfortable. Uh, out there on the comm center, there's a sign-up sheet. We are opening this, and she's going to be putting together a team. The food that you brought is part of this. We are opening this very soon. As soon as she gets the team together and can set hours, what we're going to do is we are launching the Passion Community Closet and Pantry over there. It will be open at various times of the week. All right, yeah? All right, you can lay it down. So clap, clap, clap. But now here, here's where we go. You got to sign up because we need to organize. We need to get ready. We need to get everything set up. Brett Smith brought enough shelves to set up over there to outfit a Walmart. There are shelves for shelves. We need to set them all up. We got to go through the stuff. And then this is what we're going to do. Ushers, if you would, would you bring these pieces of paper? We're going to hand you a piece of paper this morning. And what we're asking you to do is you guys are going to help us. We're all going to participate in this. 
clean out your closet. Bring good used clothing, good stuff. If you won't wear it because it's so bad, okay, just, just trying to help you. We need diapers, baby wipes. We, we, I've already got a good start on the pantry part, but you can bring food if you like. Used furniture. Now listen, if you sit down in it and it breaks every time you sit down in it, that's not the kind of furniture we're talking about. Good used furniture. And this week, you will see these times. There are uh, four different days that you can bring at various times. We are asking you to help us stock that house so that within a very short amount of time, we can open that thing up. And what we're going to do is we'll put this banner on the house, and then there will be another banner on the house that tells the time. And people from our community all over Oklahoma City, we're going to start spreading the word that when they need help, passion, we know who our neighbors are. And it gives us a consistent means of week-to-week outreach. So we need your help. We need your help stocking it. But Miss Karen cannot do this by herself. It's not fair to expect her to be here every week, two or three times a week, all by herself. It won't happen. We're not doing it that way. We need you to volunteer. If you will be willing to sit and help and serve, these people are going to come in, and we're going to gather the supplies for them and bring it and place it. It's going to give you a perfect opportunity to share the love of Jesus in a tangible way. Father, I pray that you'd break apathy off of our lives. I pray that we would care about people enough that we would be willing to sign up and go through our closets and go through our house and find the stuff that is in good shape that we don't really need. And we would bless those that are in need. I pray that we would identify our neighbors and we would step out in faith and help them break apathy off of our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And there's a number on there you can call if you need something picked up. But listen to me. Don't call us to come pick up one bag of, like, socks. You can bring that on your own. But if you need help with something's heavy, you can't do it, you can call us and we'll schedule a time and come get it. I just am convinced that we're going to leave a footprint right here for our community. Amen? Everybody excited? I'm excited. Um, it's a special day. Pastor Andrew, where's Pastor Andrew? There you are. How can I miss you? You're so tall. I don't know. Uh, I overlooked him. Let's get this out of the way. We're going to transition real quick before we leave this morning. And we have a lot of graduates this morning that we want to honor. So if you're, uh, I'm going to read them. And as I read them, if you're here, there'll be some in second service that are not here this morning. They have a table set up out in the lobby. Uh, There are cards out there that you can write little notes to our graduates on to let them know how much you care for them. And we have gifts for them this morning. But I'm going to call them all. And if you're here, would you quickly come and stand here this morning? Uh, Natalie Hooper's graduating high school. Thank, thank Jesus. I did. We we were, no, I was going to give her a hard time. Uh, Brooklyn Judkins, I don't think she's here in this service, but here's next service. Chesney uh, Cochran is not here this, I don't think, is she in this service? I don't see her. Uh, Gabby Gomez, is she here this morning? Okay. Uh, Courtney Fulcher, probably second service. Uh, Garrett Bryant is graduating college. Hannah Hayes is graduating college. Yeah, come on. Um, Quinn Whipke. There is a God. Thank you, Jesus. 
Then we've got some that are getting their master's degree, uh, and we're so proud of them. Sasha LeBlanc. And I'm really upset, but Madeline Nix couldn't make it this morning. I don't know why. And uh, we'll have a talk later. Brett Butler. And Chad Pugh. Yeah. If y'all come and stand near and facing me, uh, we're going to lay hands. Babe, if you come up here. Um, I do want you guys to know how proud you face me, Quinn. I know, I know you want everybody to see you, but... I give Quinn a hard time. Nice hairdo, by the way. He got all ready for graduation, man. Woo. All right. Uh, we're so proud of y'all. You're the best of the best. So proud of everything that you've accomplished. But I also want you to know this is just the beginning. God is setting you up for greater things. This is not the end. It's just the beginning. And we want to, as a church family, we want to pray over you and bless you. Would you stretch your hands this way and let's just pray together. Father, this morning, we pray for each one of these special young men and women. They are part of our family. We've literally watched them grow up in your presence. God, I'm thankful for their perseverance and their faithfulness. I'm thankful that you have your hand on them. It is obvious. And I thank for, for all that they've accomplished in their education. And now I pray that you would position them for the greatness that you've called them to. I pray that as they begin journeys towards careers and find new uh, relationship, what all, that, what all that entails, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless them beyond measure. I pray that you would open up doors that only you can open up. I pray that people would recognize the favor of God that's on their life. And I pray that they would see greatness, blessing, and success. We bless them in the name of Jesus. We thank you for them. They're a gift to our family, and we honor them for what they've accomplished through all their efforts, and we give you praise for them. Keep them, I pray. Keep them, I pray. And I pray that you would establish them as passionate worshipers, but I also pray that you would establish them as people of action, and they would tear down strongholds and reach the world that you've called them to reach. We ask you to accomplish this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We're proud of you. Would you give them a hand this morning? We honor you. Stop by their table. See their cool stuff. Let them know how proud you are of them. Pastor Danny's coming to close us out this morning. We want to stock this house. Help us do it this week. God is good, isn't he? Not part-time. All the time. I can't even hardly remember when I graduated. <laughs> you can't either? Oh, you're not that old. Okay, well, we won't comment on that. We'll get in trouble. <laughs> As you're preparing your morning tithes and offerings, we're so thankful for your giving. I mean, we're able to do things now that we've never been able to do financially. And one of them is give up the rent on that house and turn it into what God wants it to be. And that's all because of you all being faithful in your tithes and giving. Don't stop now. We're just getting started. Great, great things are coming. Amen. So as the ushers are coming this morning to take your morning tithes and offerings, a couple of announcements for you. Uh, make sure you read your bulletins. There are so many things that are getting ready to happen, and uh, you need to be a part of them. We want you volunteering. We want you involved. We want you here. So read your bulletin. 
lots of things. One of the major things that's happening is this Tuesday night is corporate prayer. If you have not been involved in corporate prayer, we would love to see you here. That's when we can come together as a church body. Staff is here, and we have a great time with Jesus, praying to him to meet our needs, the church's needs, and your needs. So join us Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. We would love to have you. So where are all the other announcements? In your bulletin. Make sure you read it. A lot of great things get ready to happen. Will you stand with me this morning? As Pastor has said, we cannot reach the world by just keeping him here. We've got to go out. First-time visitors, if you have filled out your uh, in the bulletin, there's a place for you to fill out. See Pastor Steve in the back. He has cookies for you. If you're a second-time visitor, see him in the back, and we have a pizza to give you. So let's go out with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your spirit that's in this place. Father, I empower each one of these people to go out into the world and to show the love of Christ and to show the power of Christ and more importantly, show the salvation of Jesus Christ that they can be brave and go with power and anointing to present you to those workers, those co-workers and to those family members that need you. We thank you for that, and we give you all the praise. And everyone said, amen. You're dismissed.
It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.